Welcome to BioTime, a podcast to help you pass high school biology and understand the science of life. My name is Chris, and I'm your host today. Hey guys, today we are going to be talking about mitochondria. And it has been quite a while since I've made a podcast on an organelle, so this is a nice change. And we all know that our bodies require energy in order to function. But we have to ask ourselves, where is this energy coming from? And the answer lies in mitochondria, which is commonly referred to as a powerhouse of the cell. Today, we are going to be focusing on the structure of a mitochondria and all of the functions of this energy-producing organelle. Uh, let's get right into it. As I have just made clear, the mitochondria is a place where energy is created. And the mitochondria serves as a site for cellular respiration, which is the process that generates ATP from extracting energies from sugars, fats, and other fuels. And as we can see, cellular respiration clearly plays a huge role um, within the mitochondria. So as we go along this podcast, I'll make sure to touch up on the topic, but I will make a more in-depth podcast focusing on cellular respiration in the future. I think that the best way to look at the structure um, is to first pull up an image. All right, I think if you pull up an image, it'll make it a lot easier uh, to understand. So the mitochondria is a pill-shaped organelle. And what makes it so unique is that it's enclosed by two membranes. All right, not one, but, but two. This is a very unique part of the mitochondria. All right. So the outermost membrane, as logically follows, is called the outer membrane. And the membrane on the inside is called the inner membrane. And what is special about this inner membrane is that it has folds in it. And if you're wondering why we have folds, um, the answer lies in surface area. The inner membrane is critical to the creation of ATP as the more of it we have, um, the more efficient our cell is. And we'll get into this more later, but essentially the inner membrane is special because it is the place where the electron transport chain is. And the electron transport chain is something that uses high energy electrons to generate ATP. And so that's why we want to have more of this membrane. All right, so I get that that's a little confusing, but don't worry. Um, later on in the podcast, we're going to go deeper into how cellular respiration and the mitochondria work together. But I just want to cover the structure first before we get into the fine details. All right, so back to it. The area inside of the inner membrane. So remember, we have an outer membrane and then we have an inner membrane, right? So inside of this inner membrane, which is the innermost part of the mitochondria, is called the mitochondrial matrix. And inside of this matrix, we have ribosomes and DNA floating around. Uh, mitochondria are very interesting, which is that instead of their DNA being found in the nucleus, mitochondrial DNA is just found in the mitochondria itself. All right, so fun fact, whenever you inherit mitochondrial DNA, it is always or almost always inherited from your mother. And there are a couple of reasons behind why this is the case. Uh, first off, we know that a sperm and an egg meet up to create offspring. All right, an egg carries on average 200,000 molecules of mitochondrial DNA. That's a lot. All right, but a human sperm on average carry a uh, human sperm, so when we're talking about the male side now, carries only five molecules of mitochondrial DNA. 
So we kind of see that there's a huge disparity um, in this 200,000 versus five. So simply by probability, it seems that the female eggs um, are going to pass on their mitochondrial DNA a whole lot more. But there, there is more to this also, which is that the mitochondrial DNA um, is attached to the end of a sperm's tail. And oftentimes during fertilization, the tail can be lost. All right, but enough about how mitochondrial DNA comes from the mother. Um, I just went off on that tangent because I found the topic quite fascinating. And I believe that past AP exams have touched up on mitochondrial DNA and why it only comes from the mother. Alright, so now that we have a general understanding of the mitochondria, I think that the best direction we can take now is to look at cellular respiration and walk through each step of the process and see how the mitochondria supports that process. The first step of cellular respiration is glycolysis. Glycolysis is where glucose, which is a type of sugar, um, is converted into ATP, NADH, and pyruvates. And glycolysis actually does not take place in the mitochondria. Um, it actually takes place right outside of the mitochondria um, in the cytoplasm. And what we want to focus on here is the pyruvate. I know we also generated ATP and NADH, but right now we're going to focus on this pyruvate. All right, it's because the pyruvate is essential for the next step in the process of cellular respiration. But this next step, in contrast from glycolysis, which occurs in the cytoplasm, this next step occurs inside the mitochondria. So we have to find a way to get this pyruvate molecule in. As remember, we're, we're in the cytoplasm right now. This step was created in the cytoplasm, which is the area outside of the mitochondria, right? And we need this pyruvate to get inside the mitochondria in order to, you know, get on with the cellular respiration process. And earlier I mentioned that the mitochondria is surrounded by two phospholipid bilayers. So long story short, it's not going to be easy for this pyruvate to get through. Um, unless you're very small or hydrophobic, chances are you are not just going to somehow slide your way into the mitochondria. But luckily for us, that is where transport proteins come in. The outer membrane of the mitochondria has a transport protein called translocase, which helps to bring in pyruvate molecules generated by glycolysis. And once the pyruvate has entered, it slowly makes its way into the innermost compartment of the mitochondria, known as a mitochondrial matrix. And here, the pyruvates are oxidized and transformed into something called acetyl-CoA. All right, so remember, um, I just said that the pyruvates are oxidized, a little bit of chemistry, but oxidation is the losing of electrons. So essentially the pyruvate had to lose electrons in order um, to be a part of the transformation process where it eventually became acetyl-CoA. All right, and once acetyl-CoA is created, we are ready um, for the citric acid cycle. And just to put this out there, the citric acid cycle is also commonly referred to as the Krebs cycle. All right, so the citric acid cycle occurs in the same place where the pyruvates were oxidized. So we're still inside the mitochondrial matrix right now. All right, so make sure we, we're very straight on where we are. All right, so during this process, acetyl-CoA goes through a long process and transformation, and acetyl-CoA ends up releasing a bunch of compounds. But the ones that we're going to focus on here are the NADH and the FADH2, as these are the ones that are necessary for our next step in the process which is oxidative phosphorylation. So remember, the first step we just went through was glycolysis, and the second one that we went to um, 
was the pyruvates being oxidized, and now we're moving on to oxidative phosphorylation. All right, so this step, oxidative phosphorylation, relies on the structure of the mitochondria. Uh, remember earlier that I mentioned that the mitochondria has an inner membrane and everything inside the inner membrane um, is a matrix. So the NADH and FADH2 that were just created by the citric acid cycle now take their electrons and deposit their electrons to the electron transport chain. And remember, the electron transport chain is a series of proteins inside of the inner membrane of the mitochondria. All right, as these high energy electrons um, are transported down the chain, the energy is used to move protons from the matrix, which is the area um, inside, to the area outside of the inner membrane. So essentially, we are moving protons out, right? And as the protons are moved out, we have now created a gradient as we now have more protons on the outside than on the inside. So this will cause protons to have a tendency to move back in. And the protons move back in through a protein called ATP synthase. And the moving of the protons um, coming in back, back in helps to power this ATP synthase protein. And this ATP synthase protein um, is gonna be able to help us generate ATP. And also remember that earlier I mentioned cristae, right? Cristae are the folds of the inner membrane. And as we can see, the process of cellular respiration relies heavily upon the inner membrane with things like the electron transport chain inside of it. And with more and more cristae, we're able to increase our surface area and thus increase our efficiency. And one thing I want to touch upon before we do a recap is that today I mentioned some characteristics about mitochondria. And some of them were that uh, they have two double lipid bilayers and that they have their own DNA. And this all points to the endosymbiotic theory, which states that eukaryotic cells came to be through the joining of multiple other cells. And specifically that a large prokaryote engulfed another smaller prokaryote and they began to live together in a symbiotic relationship. All right, And we can see that the mitochondria supports this theory as... We have a double lipid bilayer, so it almost seems as if a cell swallowed another cell. And also, why would the mitochondria have its own DNA? Remember that earlier I said that, the, that there's mitochondrial DNA inside of the mitochondria. And why isn't this DNA just stored in the nucleus like everyone else? Alright, so having its DNA stored in the nucleus is a really strong hint that the cells we see today, alright, the eukaryotic cells we see today, are the process um, <clears throat> of prokaryotes engulfing other prokaryotes billions of years ago. And now that we have reviewed the structure of the mitochondria and how cellular respiration um, occurs within the mitochondria, let's do a quick recap. <clears throat> the mitochondria is a place where energy is created as it serves as a site for cellular respiration, which is a process that generates ATP. Right? The mitochondria is a pill-shaped organelle with an outer membrane and an inner membrane. The inner membrane has many folds called cristae, and these cristae allow for greater surface area, as having more surface area means that cellular respiration can occur more efficiently. The area inside of the inner membrane is called the mitochondrial matrix, and inside here we will find a mitochondrial, we will find mitochondrial DNA and ribosomes. Remember, mitochondria are almost always inherited from the mother and not the father. All right, and now getting on to 
the stuff we talked about for cellular respiration. The first step of cellular respiration is glycolysis, where glucose is transformed into ATP, NADH, and pyruvates. This process occurs in the cytoplasm, which is the area outside of the mitochondria. So since we need the pyruvates for the next step in cellular respiration, they will be transported into the mitochondria through the usage of transport proteins. And once inside, the pyruvate is oxidized and turned into acetyl-CoA, right? And once the pyruvates have been oxidized, you move on to the next step, which is the citric acid cycle, commonly known as the Krebs cycle, all right? So in this cycle, the acetyl-CoA we just created is turned into NADH and FADH2, which is necessary for our next step in the process, which is um, oxidative phosphorylation. All right, and this is where the electrons from the NADH and FADH2 are dropped off in the electron transport chain located in our inner membrane. And the electrons that we just dropped off the electron transport chain help to power ATP synthase to create ATP. And the final thing I want us to remember is that the mitochondria is something that scientists point to as proof of the endosymbiotic theory due to its two phospholipid bilayers and the fact that the mitochondria stores its own DNA. That wraps it up for this podcast on mitochondria. Thanks for listening, everyone.